statistical, so unpredictable, here on SNL Stats. Yes, that is right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of SNL Stats. I am so excited for this episode. I've been waiting weeks to talk to this guy, and I'm sure if you're clicking on the show, whether it's on YouTube or any podcatcher, you see in the title of our show, we are going to be speaking today with the director of Saturday Night Live, Don Roy King, and I am so thrilled about it. Let me introduce our panel that we have here today to talk with Don. First up, he is an SNL podcaster and one of the most incredible people we speak to on any of our roundtables, always has excellent insight on any of the episodes. Rich Tackenberg, how are you? I am good. Don, I hope you had dinner and a beverage because I've got about 6,000 questions for you, but I'll, I'll pick the top 10. I'm so excited to be doing I've got this. some vitamin water. That's, that's perfect. All I Perfect. Exactly. Um, joining us also, we have James Stevens. James is an SNL memorabilia collector and a historian. You know, if you ever want to talk SNL, James is your guy because he knows everything there is to know about the show. James, how are you? Well, I don't know if I know everything, but I, I am well. I am currently half vaxxed, but by Thursday, I will be fully vaxxed. So uh, that is good. And I am also excited uh, that we have the incomparable, uh, the esteemed, the humble, uh, the Emmy Award winning Don Roy King here today. And the old and fully <laughs> vaccinated Director. Well, that, that's great to hear, Don. And yeah, let me let me formally introduce you. So he has been the director of Saturday Night Live since 2006. He has directed an incredible amount of live television. If you you know think of live TV, Don Roy King's name is synonymous with live TV. He is a multi-time Emmy winner, and it is really such an honor to get to speak to you. Don Roy King, how are you? I'm terrific. I'm, I'm thrilled to be introduced that way. Uh, thank you. Oh, uh, you know, honestly, the world has been so crazy over the last couple years that just sitting down and having a conversation talking about Saturday Live with anyone even remotely involved with the show is just such a privilege given everything that's been happening. So really thank you for your time and, and let's dive right in. So really the first question I have for you is, is over the last couple of years, you know, the world has gotten kind of crazy and going into SNL at home at the end of season 45. And then you find out you're going to be back in the studio for 46. What was your mindset at the start of the season? Well, to back up it to the end of last season, sure. Uh, when the announcement was made that we were going to shut down, at least shut down the live shows, uh, I was disappointed like everyone else. But then out of nowhere, got the word that Lauren had decided we were going to do a couple of remote shows. And I thought, that can't be a good idea. I rarely disagree with a Lauren Michaels decision, but I thought this one sucks. First of all, there'll be no direction. The cast members and editors will take over. Cast members will be doing stuff from home. They've never shot themselves before. They won't know how to light it. They won't know how to, to mic it. Uh, there'll be no audience. There'll be no band. This is be a pale imitation of Saturday Night Live. Uh, and, uh, and I said, Look, look, I've got a great idea. Why don't we just continue to do the show, but fill the audience with people who have already contracted the disease? And I said, they can't make each other any sicker, and they could use the diversion. And I'll be down the hall in a locked control room. 
apparently the cast uh, and crew did not see it my way. So we did in fact shut down. And we did in fact do three remote shows that I had almost nothing to do with. I sent around an email with some suggestions about lighting and miking and shooting and angles. And, and then I realized that most of our cast came up that way, doing their own little videos uh, with, uh, with great YouTube experience and they, they know how to do that. And of course we do, we do field pieces all the time, remarkable little five minute movies that are done at the same time we're doing a preparation for the live show. And those things are, are, are remarkable too. Well, that memo, I guess, got read a few times by a few cast members, but did nothing about it because they know how to do it. And I sat back and watched the first show and I thought, it's not bad, it's watchable, it's funny, it's topical, and it does sort of look like Saturday Night Live. Two weeks later, they did another one that was incredibly better in terms of production values. And I was so impressed with that. And then the third one was better still. And I wrote them all in the email saying, I have never been more proud of a show that I had nothing to do with. Because <laughs> it, 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 was, it was pretty good television. And it was pretty close to what we do and certainly kept us alive in terms of the topicality of what was happening in the world and and i was eager to get back to the studio uh, for selfish reasons in addition to uh in addition to show reasons so uh yeah when when we decided we were coming back with major major changes in procedure and protocol and uh and in placement of people and the use of people uh uh, it w was, and quite frankly, still is, um, a major hurdle every week. It's different, and it's harder, and yet uh, I think we've continued to turn out a television show that looks very much like Saturday Night Live has for 46 years, and I'm, I'm proud of that part, too. It's really unbelievable because we had no idea, you know, we podcast with a lot of journalists and different people who have watched the show for, you know, over 40 years and they, you know, it, well, no one knew what they were going to see when the thing started back up in October and it really okay. was incredible to watch Saturday Night Live look like Saturday Night Live when you see, you know, sports looking so different. Some of them have to go to a bubble okay. environment and to see SNL, I mean, the, the production and everyone who put, made an effort to make SNL look like SNL, it's really, really incredible. So I guess what I want to know is, is this been the most challenging year for you at the show, given all the changes in protocols that you mentioned yes uh, <laughs> most challenging on several levels um, including the fact that we have to limit the amount of time the cast can spend uh, on set so i block sketches with stand-ins who um who are just hired actors who come in to, to play roles and we put little little signs over, over their necks that show what what uh, cast member they're playing that day. And uh, and they go through some basic blocking and then we bring the cast out as quickly as possible, teach them the, uh, the, the blocking. It slows things down and it, uh, 
it makes some things more difficult. I don't have uh, an assistant in the control room. So all of the sketch, all of the script changes that happen straight through dress rehearsal and, and occasionally in the middle of the air show, all of those script changes, I used to quickly mark down, give it to the assistant. She would go back and, and duplicate them to give to the technical director and the associate director. And uh, we don't have that person anymore. Um, just the meeting with the camera operators has changed uh, uh, things uh, significantly. Um, we have limited number of, of um, uh, stagehands who can make changes. And so that limits how many sets we can use or how big they can be. We have, uh, we, we, the band was, wasn't allowed to all be on set. And we therefore have half the band in Jimmy Fallon's studio, uh, and and that is um, uh, that's a whole different game too. Uh, right. We initially were told that the performing the uh, musical guests couldn't have any more than five people on the music stage, so we built out the music stage just to give a little more uh, acreage and allow uh, a few more people up there. But we still managed to squeeze in some dance numbers and some. And some big production um, uh, on that on that music stage too. Um, yeah, it's been it's been harder. And what often happens, and this is human nature too, what we do this week is therefore assumed what we can do every week, or maybe it's assumed that that's the base level, and then we can add on to that, so that uh, so that if we just go through uh, a, a nightmarish sense of of hurdles to get something that was requested by a writer on the show one week the next week a writer's going to say well wait a minute well you did that for him last week why can't you do a little bit more for us this week and 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 so it piles up and and lauren whose primary driven goal is to make it the best show it can be is uh not likely to say uh we got to cut back guys and so uh, there's not much cutting back, and that puts a little more burden on us. But uh, it's an amazing team, and, and and all of those team members are there to just fulfill the vision of Lorne and those writers, and to make the make the show the best it can be. And it's it's watchable, and I'm proud of it. It's really unbelievable. And, and, you know, Rich, James, I'm living by every single word that Don is saying because it's just so incredible. So I want you guys to jump in here with your questions as well. Right now, you know, we're, we're talking about everything that's happening this season, but we're going to get to, you know, everything, uh, you know, questions about, you know, when you first started as a director. And we'll, we'll talk about those things later in the show for all of our listeners who want to hear some of that. But let's, you know, continue with our talk about season 46. So Rich, James, if you guys want to jump in with some questions for Don. Yeah, oh God, I, I, I've got 80 from just what he said. This is so interesting. I, I'm wondering, though, when you look at, because I'm guessing from what you said, that this year is probably the most dramatic change to the production of the show since you've been there maybe in 46 years. Is it's like, I feel like it's like the batters practicing with the weights on their bats. So when you can come back, whenever that day is where there's all the protocols are lifted and it's back to business as usual, is there anything you feel like you and your team has learned this year that you would want to take into that non-COVID production of Saturday Night Live? Mm -hmm. I, I, my answer to that question is a, a little bigger in, sure. in, in focus. Um, and it has to do with um, storytelling in general. Uh, early on in the pandemic, 
Uh, I watched a play that was done by the Public Theater in New York uh, about uh, it, it's a series. It's a play in the series about the same family in up, uh, upstate in Rhinebeck, New York, and just brilliant, uh, brilliant observations about the current times. And I had seen them all at the Public Theater, and and sort of fell in love with his family, and felt like I I I, I was going to spend Thanksgiving with him. And, 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 and I love that connection. And then I re read that uh, they were going to try to do a, a Zoom version of the family. And I thought, boy, that's not going to be the, that. What a disappointment that will be. Uh, and I sat here in my living room watching in these little boxes with the characters spread out in, in different places. And I was all by myself. There was no audience. It was a tiny little screen. And yet it was just as viable and just as compelling as, as any of those productions I had seen uh, on stage. And I realized that this is probably the kind of conversation that happened 70 years ago when people sat around in a conference room and somebody said, you know, these engineers just developed this thing called television. And uh, we're supposed to come up with some way to tell stories through this this medium. And I'll bet there were a lot of them that said, you can't, we can't do that. It's a fuzzy little black and white pictures and a box. And then, you won't, then we won't hear the, the audience. There, there's no ba live band. You can't tell stories that way. And there was someone else in that room who said, you know something? Let's make a hat where there never was a hat. Let's give it a shot. And sure enough, 70 years later, it is a viable medium. It's not the same as watching live theater or watching big screen movie, but it is storytelling and it can be just as important and make people laugh and clap just like, just like any, any other medium for, for storytelling. And I thought, you know, instead of saying, when are we going to get back to normal? When are we get back to do the way do things the way we did it before, why don't we say, the question is, how can we use what we've been forced into learning uh, to tell stories in other ways? And maybe there will be not just uh, live theater and movies and television, that maybe there'll be uh, a Zoom channel, maybe there'll be a, 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 a whole new way to, uh, to reach people at home and touch their hearts and make them think and care, care and cry. And, uh, and so I, 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 this is a, this is close to me because my daughter is graduating in one month from Carnegie Mellon university as a theater directing major. Wow. And to many people that it means like she's coming out with a degree in typewriter repair because theaters are closed and she's graduating into an industry that doesn't exist right now. But in this period of time, she's, she's made theater uh, that, that was remarkable. She did live Shakespeare uh, at Carnegie Mellon in the, in the streets of Pittsburgh. She did a, a Zoom play called Arlington that was partly taped and partly live and, and, and integrated people all over the world in, in, in this amazing intimate production. And she just did a senior project, which was uh, um, Assassins, uh, uh, an amazing musical. And she turned it into a combination radio play and, and book. 
So you open the book and you see pictures of the cast members dressed as John Wilkes Booth and 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 and, and, and some of the lyrics and, and and just remarkable graphic design while you're hearing the songs. And I thought this is a different way of telling stories. And she only learned that how to do that because of this uh, of this pandemic. Oh my God, that's great. Is there anything from this question. season? No, it's super interesting. I'm, I'm wondering now, taking it back to this season, is there anything that while the audience may have gone, sure, that was Saturday Night Live. To you, it was like, oh, that sketch, that that monologue, that whatever musical performance was so differently produced or directed because of COVID and we don't know. Is there anything that you remember from this year that sticks out to you? I would say I would say just the opposite. There were so many things that that were much different in how they were arrived at. But I thought, man, that's that's just like it always was, or that just had the same feel. It just took the audience reaction. You know, we have a third of the audience, but but the, the laughter is still as full and as and as vibrant and as and as motivating as when it was a a, a giant full room of uh, of people. Uh, we're not augmenting it in any way. It's just those people are alive and amused and, and engaged and, 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 it, and it seems to work. And inevitably I'll say, man, that was just like, just like we used to feel. It was a higher mountain to climb to get there, but it was, uh, it, it still feels like it's important, important television on, on several levels. And, Oh, I was going to ask a little bit about the the protocols. Um, in addition to those being a challenge, you had this additional challenge of having, you know, what was it? Three or four shows in a row was the maximum forever. And then this right. year there was, there was six, you know, in that right. early time of year. And then you did five when you guys came back after the start. Right. I mean, how, how, like grueling. I mean, I don't know what my question is other than like, you're 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 being thrown all these other protocols and procedures. I would imagine that at the end of a five or six run week, you guys just have to feel exhausted, right? I will say the only the only advantage I have in the time I've been there is that I've gotten a little bit uh, thicker skinned and a, a little more more abil have the ability to pace a little better. So the sixth, to me, wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. However, it's a it it it's a grueling grind for the writers, and those that's a hard hard job, and they start to burn out fast, especially after your your best sketch gets rejected uh, in, in the third read read through, and then man, yeah. I got to start from scratch. I've got to come up with something for next week, and it's a it's a host I don't even know. And oh, man, I I feel for them. That's a that's a tough that's a tough road. And uh, yeah, they they were they were limping to the finish line. At the end of six. <laughs> well, and before we walk completely away from from the COVID protocol thing, and I would only I only know this because I haven't spoken to you earlier this season, uh, but. You know these protocols are in place because of safety and health and all this stuff and again not to make don't want to make a huge deal about it but i learned from you you were out sick earlier this season and i think you mentioned to me that it was during the jason bateman show i think i'm just curious would you be able to tell us a little bit about how you know the team sort of covers that 
the show must go on mentality. They covered the show must go on mentality so much better than I wish they had. Well, <laughs> <laughs> job security issue there. <laughs> oh, man. I thought this is way too good and they don't miss me at all. <laughs> okay. uh, they, they set up a, a um, um, here, actually a delivered stuff that I set up of a, of a, of a screen and a feed so that I could see all five cameras straight through the rehearsal period. And I had all, all audio connection and I could talk to uh, the, the uh, Michael Mancini, my AD who did the actual and I blocked every sketch and I watched the music in a split screen version and, and blocked the, 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 uh, um, block the music uh, guest. Um, but when it came down to really staying with the action, calling the shots and dealing with all of the changes, it was out of my hands. And, uh, and once again, it was uh, a show that was worth watching that I did not have much to do with. Uh, um, but uh, I was back the following week. And... Well, yeah, it's great to hear that you're in great health now and that, you know, everything, you know, went through without a speed bump, despite you saying that people, uh, you know, you kind of wish it didn't as a joke. But I, I really <laughs> wanted to start with season 46 because I think that's, you know, a, a top of mind. That's what all our listeners are thinking about this monumental sure. pandemic season. But I also wanted to ask you about where your head was at when you first got the job. So going back to 2006, when you took over for Beth McCarthy Miller, were you a big fan of Saturday Night Live? Was that something that you really felt like this was a monumental step in your career that was like, oh, wow, now I've made it? Is, was that how it felt for you? And I, we kind of want to get like into the psychology of it. It was monumental. And it was certainly uh, uh, when it first came up, I thought, there is no show in the world I would rather direct than, than, than that. It is, it is the ultimate for a live television director. It's a little bit of everything. And of course, I had no idea at the time how it was put together, how quickly things were uh, or, or happened. Uh, I didn't know the high mountain that, that I had to climb. But, uh, but just from an image standpoint, just from a challenge standpoint, I thought, man, that this is this is it. There is nothing I would rather do. Uh, at the same time, I thought, you know, I have directed every kind of show that Saturday Night Live makes fun of. <laughs> I have directed a lot of uh, live music. I have directed hours and hours of news. I can certainly direct comedy news, but I've done very little in terms of blocking, shooting. Uh, sketch comedy. Uh, some of that in the Mike Douglas days. And I did some little things at some local stations that were you know, sort of cute amateur versions of what Saturday Night Live is. But to direct 13 one-act plays from scratch, uh, in addition to all of those other things, I thought, I'm not sure I can do that. And I'm not sure I want to take the chance of embarrassing myself and and failing at this point in my career. I mean, I was uh, I had put in my time and I had had a, a, a pretty healthy and successful run, 
And I thought, why would I stick my neck out? Why would I take the risk of, of, of that kind of failure? Uh, even though it, it, it was such a flattering opportunity and a challenging one, I thought, oh man, uh, I don't think so. But then I realized that the worst, the worst emotion that human beings have, or one of the worst, is regret. And I thought, man, if I don't try it, a couple of years from now, I'll look back and I'll say, wow, man, why did I give, maybe I could have done that, or why did I give that a shot, or, or uh, the person who took over for Beth isn't that good anyhow. Man, oh man, <laughs> I, I could have, I, I, I had my, I should, I could have been a contender. And uh, I thought, all right, I'm going to jump in, take that risk, and for the first time in years, feel butterflies in my stomach. I'm going to try to climb that mountain. And I thought, yeah, if I fail, I can always come back to doing morning television. Uh, I'm, I know how to do that. And uh, it's, it's worth a risk. Well, I am so glad I took that risk. And it was, it was a steep climb. And uh, it was, the learning curve was remarkable. And there were moments when I thought, I have no idea how to do this. And there were moments when I would say that, hey, somebody give me a hand here. I have no idea how to do this. But people would step up, offer a suggestion, help me through. And, uh, and I am by far ended up with the best job I've ever had, by far the most challenging and rewarding. And I, I, I'm so glad I took that risk. I think that, you know, I always like to tell people that it's better to regret doing something than not doing something. And I think that, you know, your story that you're saying is so uh, important for our listeners to hear because getting such a monumental job, you know, it, it's easy to think, oh, I would just jump at the opportunity to work with all these major celebrities and in this monumental institution. But you know, yeah. you're, you know, you're a human being and you get nervous and it's hard to make those crazy life changes, you know, later on in your, in your life. And I think that, you know, your decision to go and do that and how happy you are with the position, you know, 15 years later, I think is a wonderful case study for all of our listeners to hear about. Uh, well, uh, thank you. And, and, and I agree. And, and it, it could have easily ended differently, but I still would have been happy that I gave it a shot. Uh, and, yeah. and I, and not only was I jumping into something I didn't know, but I was jumping into something where you're supposed to know and where other people turn to you for, to, for answers. And, and I, you know, it, it wasn't like I was showing up to, to paint scenery. Uh, it was, I was showing up to answer questions and make decisions and people who had been doing it for years and years turned to me and said, what do you want here? How big should this be? Or what color do you want that set? Or, or how, where do you want the actors to move? And, and I, I knew that, that, that there would be moments when I would not have answers when I should have had answers. And there were moments like that, but, and there still are actually, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I've gotten a chance to work with the people who are at the best who are the best at what they do and who are self-starters in many ways and don't need my decisions about many many things that i used to make the decisions about and and, and most importantly i've been involved in a in a show that i think is important and and is more important than it's ever been and it's done not only made people laugh and clap and think 
but it's also done some healing and it's held some people accountable and it's talked about and it's and it's 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 valuable television. I heard Lorne Michael say a couple of years ago, if this show ever becomes a nostalgia show that people watch because, oh, hey, we used to watch this in college. Let's see what they're doing now. Oh, it's not, not as funny, but that was, that was kind of cute. He said, if it's a nostalgia show they watch because of those memories, then it's time to end the show. He wants it to be every week just as cutting edged, as as incisive, as talked about as, as ever. And uh, I've never met anyone as driven and as, as dedicated to, to that kind of vision uh, in my life. And, uh, and, and therefore, I'm even more proud to, to be a part of it. You mentioned on the, the people, and I'm wondering when you started, because it seems like Saturday Night Live, especially behind the scenes, is as much a family as it is a staff. And and I'm wondering, you come in in this very senior role into this family, many of whom who have been there for decades. Yeah. How does that yeah. work and how do you end up fitting in? And is there anyone that you remember reaching out a hand when you needed it early on to help you fit into the family dynamic of, of the SNL? You're absolutely right. The, that that place is filled with uh, with remarkable, gifted people, many of whom have been there for a long, long time. And that's partly because I've never been anywhere where there's less turnover, and, and that's because it's it's the last show of its kind, and people who are good at it stay. And it's a it's a fun place to be, and it's rewarding on almost every level of staff and crew. Um, and so I would be dealing with a set designer who'd been there for four years, 40 years. And, and he would say, uh, are you sure you want to lay out the furniture that way? And I'd, my, my urge would be to say, well, I'm the director. Of course, that's, that's, what I, that's the way I want. But I was fortunately mature enough by that time to say, I have no idea if that's what I want. You know, what do you think? And and that 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 helped. But there's a, a camera operator who who operates the crane. His name is John Pinto, and he has won in his career, I think, 24 Emmys. And uh, he is just a, a, a genius uh, with the most sensitive touch and just the understanding of how that camera works, how any camera works and, 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 and how to capture action. And uh, I think it was my first or second show when in dress rehearsal or right after dress rehearsal, Lauren says, I've got an idea. I want Amy to finish up this commercial where she's playing sort of a, um, a, a drunk celebrity and doing a, doing a commercial at home base. And then right after that, we're going into another sketch, uh, which is a, a bar scene. But here's what I want. I want the sketch to end, or the commercial set to end, and Amy get up and walk over, all the, over and walk into the bar scene, and then be a part of the bar scene. She, she wasn't written to be a character in that. She, they just wrote some lines for her to throw out as if she had just walked out of the commercial world into this, into this bar. And I thought, number one, I have no how, I have no idea how to make the transition. How am I going to get the cameras from from the commercial set over to here? And in the meeting between the dress and air, I said that very thing. And John Pinto said, 
hey, Don, look, just just stay with me. I'll, I'll just on the crane. I'll just follow her over, and I'll walk. I'll walk her right into the set, and it's it, and I'll land right in the center wide shot that that I was going to start with with that that sketch anyhow. And it was it worked beautifully, and it, it was seamless. And in my first show, here's this amazing transition, falling any polar from one set into the other, and it was only because. John spoke up, and I said, "Thank you." And 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 uh, that's that that still happens to this day. Well, Donna, I think that you know one of the things our listeners love to point out is that back in the '70s, when it was the original cast, one of the things that they would do is after a sketch was over, the camera would pan out so you would see that this particular yes. sketch was part yes. of the live comedy show, and it would you know you yes. could see the crowd and you could see everything. And I noticed yes. you know some of that this season even a little bit. Sometimes yes. the sketch yes. will finish and you guys will back yes. out of the scene, or the cast members will walk off the the particular. Right, right, sketch right, right. and that's the type of stuff that we love like give us more of that because yeah. we love to know that this is a live comedy show and it's not just you know a yeah. set of a sketch that's just you know the sketch ends and, the, and it goes to commercial we love seeing stuff like that and i love that that was part of one of your first shows it, it, that was but that was a transition in the middle and but what you refer to is at the end of a sketch and sure enough in the past past year and a half but especially this season I've been doing much more of that. And it's a, it's because I sat down and watched one of the old vintage shows. And I said, oh, that's really cool. And, and yeah, it's, and I forgot that's how much fun that is to see and how they, they, the, the cast breaks character and you see uh, the, 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 the uh, station hands rush in, you see cameras in the foreground, you pull out and you see uh, Wally uh, um, showing off of the cue cards, knowing that he's on camera. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it and I, I wish I had started that 10 years ago instead of two, uh, because uh, you're absolutely right. And I just say, uh, all right, uh, so at the end of the sketch, instead of that, that tape of the exterior of the apartment house, uh, we're going to do an overshoot. And they know exactly what an overshoot means. And whoever is the last camera, you've got the overshoot. Or, or I'll use the crane, move the crane in over top and above them all. So he's got one shot in the sketch. That's the overshoot at the end. I just wanted to ask because you had mentioned that you watched a vintage Saturday Night Live. So I was curious, uh, you know, how familiar are you with all of the old seasons of the show? Were you watching them when they had aired originally? And then was it like, oh, now that I got the job, I got to go and watch, you know, 30, 25 seasons of Saturday Night Live that maybe I haven't seen every episode of? I definitely was a fan at the beginning and certainly the first couple of years. Uh, uh, in fact, the very first year I was directing a show downstairs called America Alive, which was a daytime talk show that which which was alive for about six months. But uh, I was in the NBC complex and part of the NBC family when they started uh, in in seventy five. Um, but um, I, when I got the job, my uh, responsibility, uh, I, I was given the mandate to just make it seamless. And so what I really paid attention to was uh, the, the past couple of Beth years and, uh, and did my best to, to match that look and that flow and that rhythm and that, that, that kind of blocking. And at that time, she wasn't the, the overshoot thing had disappeared or that was Davy Wilson's thing and she had dropped it some time before. Uh, and uh, and um, I, as I said before, I wish I'd 
wish I had returned to that sooner. Um, but but my, my emphasis was on watching the most the most recent years. All I was going to say, comment about the overshoot because I love it, and and we may have said something you know earlier this season about this. Don is is that it uh, it also sort of underscores a little bit of in this season sort of sort of those uh, COVID protocols. You know, you can see the yeah, people yeah. with the masks. You can yeah, see yeah. if yeah, it's. Right, right, right. If it's a, uh, I mean, this isn't the overshoot thing, but when we've seen the back hallways a few times, we've seen how much a, of a ghost town it is uh, with with those protocols and everything. But uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that I think that, as as John mentioned, the the uh, everybody really uh, is excited to see just that that sort of behind the scene glance, uh, glimpse. But I was going to ask you this um, because you were talking about just climbing that mountain when you first you know, took on the show, you know, we, you, you hear musicians and performers often talk about how those feelings of nerves never really go away. Uh, with, with time, it's just learning how to channel those feelings and that kind of thing. I'm just wondering, what is the feeling in the control room, you, you know, in, in your tenure now uh, for you and maybe the team as it, as it approaches airtime? Because of the nature of the show and the last minute changes and how, uh, intense it is uh i don't sense any lessening of the butterflies and it, it, it is it's that same adrenaline rush every week the way it was 15 years ago and 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 i like i like that i would i would say that has to be and again it's been said that you're you've directed probably more more hours of live television than anyone uh one other sort of follow-up comment or question was, you know, when you mentioned the audience coming in, you guys are down the hall. The control room is sort of down the hall and, and, and away from all that action. How is it? I'm just curious. You've got to feel the energy of the live audience after, you know, the days of uh, blocking and, and re you know, rehearsal run-throughs that when you have that dress rehearsal audience, that live audience, how does that, how does that, energy does that feel different when there's you know people in the building and you can hear them laughing i imagine yes absolutely yeah and, and not only hear them laughing well the dressing room for the band is uh they, they come through our side our door doors not the not the center doors so uh when they perform all of their friends and family and roadies and, and staff and crew and management are standing right outside the control room. And so as they come out after their performance, you hear that swell of, of, of reception from them. And, and that's a nice feeling too. They, 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 they just gave their all and, and I did my best to capture it cleanly and, and, uh, and their, their friends and family loved it too. Rich, why don't you go ahead with some of the questions you have? I know you have so many. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I'd love to sort of because, you know, we obviously we all know about 1130 Saturday night. And as fans, we've heard a lot about the week, uh, you know, leading up to that from the writers and the cast perspective. I'm really interested, like, when does your week start and what it, what do you do? What's your beginning of your week? What does that look like? I'd love to hear a little bit up to, you know, the rehearsals and the blocking of sort of where you enter into a Saturday Night Live episode in the beginning of the week until this year there was always a host meeting on monday evening and that meeting was in warren's office with just the writers and me 
and um, I think that's it. And uh, it was, I think, a meeting primarily designed to scare the host, uh, especially <laughs> a, a, a first-time host, because the host would would, would sit there in this thirty-five. Uh, writers would pour in and jam in, sit on the floor and around every piece of furniture in Lauren's office. And then Lauren would call the writers one at a time and they would each throw out an idea. And the host would sit there and nod and occasionally snicker and most often flinch because one writer would say, okay, so in this sketch, you're, you're going to play uh, uh, a male version of uh, Marilyn Monroe and then the next, the next writer would say, "So uh, you're going to be Cal Calvin Coolidge," and 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 go all the way through the room where, where 25 people would throw out random ideas, most of which never evolved into sketches. I think designed just to scare the host, and uh, and to think, "Oh my God, what did I get myself into? How am I going to? How am I? I have to." I have to play bagpipes. I don't know how to play. Well, well, uh, that meeting went away uh, because of COVID, and it's been replaced by a, a, a Tuesday meeting, which is um, which will happen tomorrow with just the writers uh, and not even Lauren. I don't think just the writers and uh, and the host and. Uh, as a result, to answer your question, I do nothing on Mondays and Tuesdays. <laughs> okay. I, I walk in Wednesday, and what used to happen is uh, I would walk in, there'd be a pile of 40 sketches on my desk, and I would spend the next couple of hours reading those 40 sketches and doing rough, real rough blocking or questioning whether this possibly can be done at all and say, Wait a minute, this is written as a, a field piece. This can't be done uh, live or... Um, and then we would go into uh, the read-through, which uh, now starts at four o'clock in the afternoon. Used to be in the in one room where the entire cast and the host and Lauren and I would sit around the big table, and the rest of the room would be filled with staff and other uh, all the writers, uh, serving as kind of a pseudo audience. And we would read these full sketches, script in hand. We now do that in the in the studio so that we can spread out again, for COVID reasons, and just tables and people spent some sitting up in the, in, in the bleachers as well. Uh, and we, we spend hours reading sketches, uh, script in hand. And uh, then Lauren, when that, when that ends, four or five hours later, Lauren narrows it down to the actual 10 or 12 where we actually we plan to mount and uh and then i take those selected scripts into a different room and for the first time turn it over to the set designers and the hair and makeup people and the wardrobe people and the special effects people and they start from scratch wednesday night now sometimes they'll say oh well that, this is going to be in the oval office well we we've got that but most of the time it's Okay, what's this? What's this suburban living room going to look like? Or this is a school, but it's a school for for people who are seven feet tall, and 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 they just scatter to design sets and find props and and begin to order special effects and puppets and and 
And that's the self-starting part of, of that operation that I mentioned before. Hey, just scatter and do it. And then we come in Thursday, rehearse the guest band, and rehearse some of the simple sketches that don't need full special stuff or props that, that, that but we can use rehearsal blocks and, and just uh, fake scenery and, uh, and some old furniture. Uh, and just so we can block basic talk shows or basic game shows and, uh, and then come back in Friday. And now there's a lot more to play with. We rehearse all the rest of the sketches each get about an hour's work. I, I rehearse it on the floor first and block it and then or block it with the cameras and we, we, uh, about an hour is what most need. Some need a little more, some less. And uh, Friday night, by the time we've run through everything, we now have a cold open that we can at least talk about and uh, rehearse the monologue as well. Walk in Saturday and that room is just filled with and restaurants and amazing furniture and special stuff that's been built and flying ghosts. And, and, and I, I, I look around and say, Wow, this looks exactly like a high school in Chicago. And who found all these desks? And who put that bell on the wall? And who decorated this to make it look like a real high school? I don't really know, but it just happens that way. And it pops up and just those brilliant artists make it work. We rehearse every sketch through Saturday. Uh, Each gets a quick run through, now in full makeup and, and wardrobe. And uh, with with for the first time, uh, lower third and some graphics and some videotape and stuff that we never had the, the past two days, and we rehearse the rest of the sketches, take a break, come back, do week, weekend update, and then fly with a dress rehearsal at eight o'clock, and then change it all, and uh, <laughs> and that dress rehearsal will be forty minutes more material than we really need just so Lauren has the ability to pick and choose and cut and slice and move stuff around. And that's what happens be- between dress and air. Wow. And inevitably, inevitably at 11 o'clock, I'm in the control meeting with the, with the camera operators saying, Oh, this sketch, uh, kill shots, 24 and 28 and 29, a, a two shot and, and not a three shot. And, and then, and then camera six, get, get, get wait a minute, wait a minute. Keenan's not even in this anymore. What happened to Keenan? And this ending is different. How are we going to do a different ending? Oh, wait a minute. You got to get out there, guys. Okay, I'll give you the changes in a commercial break. Uh, we got to fly. And then we fly. And the plane takes off. And it's, sometimes the ride is bumpy. But it always lands at 1 a.m. And, uh, and, and inevitably, I'll look back and say, Lauren was right. That sketch was funnier after a weekend update. And it was funnier without without uh, that character and the and, uh, and all of those changes made sense. It, it, it's, it's, uh, I just, I just got tired saying it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could, I could only imagine it's, it's really just like a magical yeah. process that it gets, you know, from, from point A to point Z. And I think that there, you know, like there's nothing that really, uh, you know, was displayed it even more so when you did some of those crazy, and when you did the crazy anniversary show for the 40th. And James, I know you had a question for Don about the 40th anniversary. So let me bring you in to ask him about that. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, it's it's been what, five or six years now, but I think that, you know, people in the fan community, you know, still point to that 
you know, that 40th anniversary show is one of the biggest nights in TV comedy, you know, and can you tell us just a little bit about what you remember about the process involved in preparing, you know, for that special versus, you know, a typical 90 minute episode? When I first started, they said, uh, this is a well-oiled machine and these people know exactly how to do this and they helped through and that was all true. But I was also told, flinch when you hear the word special because everything is out of order and nobody knows exactly who does what when the schedule changes and people come in from the past who are who come in to to schmooze and to chat about old times and they forget how hard it is and they forget that yeah, the rehearsals have to happen at certain times and, and it's a nightmare trying to wrangle all all those old cast members and uh, specials like we did the 25th and like we did the 30th, I guess, uh, were just crazy. And um, so when they said, okay, it's 40th anniversary time, I flinched, but it wasn't bad. It was different. It was different in so many ways, uh, including the fact that we jammed audience onto the floor, much bigger bleachers and filled up spaces that we usually use for booms and cameras in the crane and but so we had to work around all of that plus we ran out of space we were doing three music acts and we had uh we had we used up the music space for paul mccartney and we had someone at home base and and we had at any rate at any rate uh out of nowhere the week of the show uh I guess it was Maya Rudolph uh, came in saying, uh, hey, we want to do a sketch where we bring back all of the great musical characters from over the years. And, uh, everyone from Steve Martin's uh, Pharaoh to, uh, to, um, um, to the uh, piano guy and to uh, um, Frank Sinatra. And, and I, I said, well, that's a great idea. We have no place to put any of those people. And uh, uh, there, there were at least eight, eight different performances that were planned in one sketch to bounce around. Well, we found places for them and, um, and we made it work. And, and it, was a, it was a joy to do that show. Uh, we all, all, we all uh, wore tuxedos in the control room and, uh, and, uh, and, it was. Um, we knew it was. We knew it was special right from the the, the, the cold open. Uh, I think from top to bottom, it was just. It's just one of the most solid, you know, evenings, and it was. It was. It was. It was not short, you know. But I, one of the things I thought was interesting was the decision to make for the fortieth to place that special you know, on a Sunday in the middle of the season where I believe the 15th and the 25th anniversary shows kicked off the season. The, the premiere was the, the following week, I think. Just wondering now where we are, you know, John, is there any buzz yet about the, any 50th anniversary as we're heading, you know, ready to close out season 46 now? <laughs> if there is, I, I haven't been buzzed. Uh, but, uh... That's fair. I guess it's um, that's a decision solely up to Mr. Michaels, and um, we'll we'll sit back and wait. 
Yeah, I, I can't wait to see. I mean, I think that the 40th anniversary special was probably as a viewer, one of like the greatest nights of my life getting to watch that, let alone being there, I'm sure was incredible. So to to anticipate and see what's going to happen for the 50th anniversary and potentially the thousandth episode of the show, which would be around 50 years from when the show started in the first place, wow, I think... Wow. You, you know, those things are just as a as an SNL super fan, you, you dream of these moments. So I can't wait for that a few years down the road. Um, <laughs> so that's that's super exciting. Uh, so I, I had some questions. I, I was, I'm sure Rich and I, I'm sure James have some more things to ask you, but I did have a couple of listeners send in some questions that I just wanted to get a chance to ask you while we have you. One of them was on a week like this week where we have a host in Elon Musk who the internet and and certain people find is a little bit more on the controversial side. Does that become a little bit more of a challenge for you in the production area of things where you hear this guy is coming in and regardless of his status outside of SNL, he has to come in and be like any other host that enters the show and you know work with the writers and work with the cast. And is there ever a point where you hear someone like an Elon Musk is going to come in to host the show and it's like, ooh, okay, this one's going to be really interesting. For me, the responsibility and the challenges are exactly the same. And it will depend on his um, flexibility, and, uh, his comic timing, his willingness to try things, and whether he has any breadth of, of, of characters he can do. And, and it has nothing to do with outside buzz. Uh, yes, that definitely affects the um, the talent people and the promotion people, and 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 uh, sure, Lauren is uh, questioned about it significantly. It doesn't affect us at all. Uh, when um, during the uh, during the elections, two elections ago, um, we were told that uh, Donald Trump was going to host, and my my reaction was, oh man. It Guys in the middle of a presidential campaign, he definitely is not going to be able to give us the kind of time we need. He'll probably have a couple of hours rehearsal, if anything, and 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 that'll be restricted by what he's allowed to do or what he's willing to do. This is going to be a nightmare week. Donald Trump was there more than most hosts. He just sat in the studio. He just sat in the studio instead of instead of running back to his dressing room like most do. He just sat there waiting for the next thing. And he was, he was willing to do anything, anything. Now I won't claim that he was really good at it, but uh, that had nothing to do with who he was or what he was doing or the controversy about uh, around his hosting. And I think that's going to be the same this week. Um, I have no idea what performing experience uh, Mr. Musk has, but, Apparently, Lauren believes he's got something to offer. And uh, there are people who have said the announcement that he was going to host is probably going to get a bigger laugh than anything in the show. Uh, I, I, <laughs> That's great. I, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I, 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 I'm just willing to, to, to give him a shot and see what he's got. Uh, I've been shocked by how good sports stars are uh i think man they, they have no acting experience what how are they gonna come well th there have been some great ones man both manning brothers were terrific 
and and uh, and and almost all of them have had something to offer. And I came to the conclusion: well, yeah, yeah. First of all, they're they're so comfortable in who they are that they say, oh, "Yeah, sure, I'll put on a skirt. I don't, yeah, I don't care." Uh, and they're used to playing with a team. They're used to playing in front of a crowd. They're used to being coached by a director of sorts. And, uh, and they take direction well. And so um, I've been pleasantly surprised by, by sports guys, and maybe I will be by computer guys, too. <laughs> I, I think either way, it's going to be interesting. So I know that, you know, you're expressing the same thing. You're just interested to see what's going to happen. And I think we all are, whether you agree with it or not, you're excited to see yeah. what is going to happen right. on Saturday. So uh, thank you. Thank you for for answering that. Uh, Rich, let me send it over to you. You know, you talked about the guests, you know, because you're right. And we've seen great, you know, musicians who've come on and just their first time just crushed it and great. Is there any commonality you were saying about teams, but like what makes a good guest host? Is there something about their personality or willingness? Like when you're watching the table read and you're seeing these people for the first sure. time, are there any qualities that you notice in the people who are really good at this? Or or is there anything that you try to bring out of guest hosts if you're not feeling like it's going to it's gonna work as well as you'd hope? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the answer to the first part is yes. I, I can tell in read through which ones are uh playing it what they what their image of a of a sketch character actor is and which mm. one just sort of naturally fall slip into the, the the role of playing somebody else and and uh and there's a big difference in serious actors and and comedians and and and, and how they treat the material but someone who's inexperienced uh, i can tell right away that, that, that whether whether they have the the, the spark that will make them comfortable in 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 playing other people. Um, the second part of your question, though, I I thought when I started that I would have responsibility for real character development and and directing like a film director does. Uh, it turns out that that isn't my mandate much at all. To some degree, I certainly do all of the the physical blocking to make sure they physically do what I need them to do. But characterization or pace or or um, or the size of of characters they play, that responsibility is given to the the writers. And part of that is because it's the writer's vision from the beginning, and the writer wrote this material with uh, with an idea in mind of who this character is and how he sounds and how he moves and how he uh, and how quickly he speaks um and it's also that uh, i'm responsible for 12 when i plays and that writer is responsible for just his his vision and so that that, that kind of directing that kind of character directing is is uh, given up to to writers uh, uh, and I, I know a lot about it and was pretty serious actor myself for a while. And, and uh, but, I, but I, I'm reluctantly, but understandably given up, uh, given up that role.
I was going to ask you, Don, is there anything that you really want to do at the show that you haven't done so far that by, you know, the time you move on from the show, you're like, oh, I, I just want to make sure I do that one thing first. <laughs> uh, in terms of in terms of direction and cameras, uh, there have been lots of things that pop up that I think, oh man, I could easily put my stamp on this. I this is the kind of thing that I love to show off. And but I've I've finally realized that if if my work gets noticed, it's at the the service of the material. It's my job to to present all the work, including the musical performances, in a way that makes a person at home say, oh man, that's that's funny, or that's a great song. If that person at home is saying, whoa, man, there's a terrific shot, then I have not done my job. I've done just the opposite. I've distracted from, 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 from the work. So the answer to your question is no, I will not uh, uh, intrude my vision on, on the work itself. However, um, there were times when sketches would be written where the host or someone would go into con the control room and talk to the director. And uh, I, I've been planning for that and rehearsing for that for 15 years. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. So, so you just read my mind. This is on my list right now because I was going to say to you, Don, that I, I wanted to be, I wanted to put myself in the mindset of a cast member and you're the host and this is a Monday night meeting and I'm pitching to you my pitch and my pitch to you is going to be that back in the 70s and, and into the 80s, uh, that's what happened with Davey Wilson, right? You know, you'd have your host on, on home base yes. and he'd say, hey, Davey, and then you'd hear this like on the voice of God, Davey would come on and would basically say, like yes. talk directly to the host. And I've been waiting for that from you, Don. I want to see it. I want to see the host walk off home base and walk into the control room. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> the closest thing we've gotten have Don have been those uh, occasional teasers, you know, during the commercials where where we see you guys like right before a weekend update or or whatever it is. There was one. I'm correct you. There was one time when I when a host I can't remember who it was a woman who had become a director and she was sort of showing off how she had, had learned the skill set. And I interjected something over the intercom. And between dress and air, Lauren tried to kill that. <laughs> and she said, Oh no, no, I really want, I really like that. I want that in. That's the only way I, that's the only way I managed it to be heard once. Although I still get after residuals from it, so I. But you're absolutely right, and I remember a time when some host walked into the control room and looking for Lauren and Davy Wilson uh, stopped him and said, "Oh, he's, he's right down the hall. His office is uh, just two doors down." He said, "By the way, uh, you know when you're doing that that sketch, uh, that, that 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 next sketch, the one about the policeman, could you be just um." Eh, you know, funnier, you know, funnier. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay, baby, I'll try that. Well, that was terrific delivery. It was terrific. It was a terrific uh, uh, moment for Davy Wilson, but I haven't yet had mine. 
All right, Don. Well, if we Until see Elon Musk this I'm week go into the control, yeah, exactly. If we see Elon Musk go into the control room, I want a little bit of credit over here. So, so that's, uh, um, I'll give Rich, you part of the residuals too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Rich, let me send it back over to you. Is there, you know, I'm wondering, you know, in, in the show, I mean, I imagine as funny as SNL is, I, while it's happening, it's got to be super stressful and a lot of adrenaline. Is there, but I'm wondering, is there any character, any sketch, any actor who will actually get you to laugh even during the show when you're calling cameras and it's super high intensity? Is there anything that still kind of tickles you? Uh, by the time we hit air, I've heard that material 10 times. Uh, occasionally a line will change because of the changes between dress and hair will catch me off guard. Uh, there are times during weekend update when, when something hits hard and, uh, and I am surprised at the audience reaction. And, uh, um, I, yeah, yeah, I, I've never, Missed the next shot as a result. But, oh no! Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, and and just the fact that 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 audience is loving something that I have heard five times makes me um, uh, happy and and occasionally amused enough to let out a a little um, guffaw. <laughs> are there any kinds of sketches that are more intimidating from a production like i'm thinking of like monologues where you know the host is going around the back and it's all steady cam or are there any yeah. types of sketches where you see them at the table read and you're like oh guys you're killing me come on by the way give us those we love that stuff that's the best oh, stuff love it love it <laughs> uh every week there's something like that and every week i think this is going to be such a nightmare to to mount uh for any number of reasons i think that, that because the cast is so big there is a major effort to include more and more characters more and more cast members in in every sketch so what used to be a a dinner with one person at the head of the table and two couples on the sides now becomes four couples and and the hosts are two couples and that's just so difficult to set up properly and make sure that you can see everybody and and then if there's any action to it as well where, where somebody's going to burst in the door and set the curtains on fire uh it, it just adds to the the potential disaster uh, of of uh, primarily the disaster of missing a shot or or, yeah. or trapping a punchline off camera. Um, but um, yeah, from a selfie standpoint, I love it when it's, when it's contained and even, even the speed at which a game show happens, at least I know nobody's going to move around or very rarely. And, and so I know where, what, what I'm locked into and I'm, I'm comfortable with just keeping up with the action with, even with graphic changes and lower third stuff and, and, and sound effects. And, uh, and then uh, that, that, that stuff is fine for me. But as soon as it's a big crowd moving around or doing something that is interrelated and it's gotta be uh, choreographed, uh, I, I, I still wince a little bit. 
Rich, James, do you have any any more for Don? I, I do have a closing questions I, I want to ask him. And Don, obviously, you've been uh, so generous with your time, so I'm so appreciative. But uh, you know, before I get to it, Rich, James, if you have anything else on your end, no, I, I was just going to ask. You know, and I don't know if there's a typical answer here for this, Don, but like, you know, if we're watching at home live, and uh, you know, a commercial break is, is is certainly not a break for you, I would imagine. Uh, the home audience is probably getting up and running to the fridge to grab something to drink or eat. Uh, what is it that you're typically, I mean, you're just going through that script, I imagine, for whatever changes as you're preparing for the next sketch as you come back? Is that? Yeah. yeah I, I, I think probably my strongest attribute as a director is focus and and concentration and uh and i i can stay pretty tightly tuned uh, uh straight through and there are times when people say you know paul simon was in the control room the whole time watching it from the back row <laughs> never had any idea hmm. never noticed because it, i i it's i i can stay pretty concentrated so yeah. is it pretty much that just that prep, that concentration on what we're doing next during the the commercial break? Just curious, yeah, especially like since what, during yeah. the air show, that I, I may be handed script changes for what's coming up. Especially if we're five or six minutes over and we're trying to our best to to edit the final sketch so that it's going to fit, and then I'll be handed sketch a script with a. Uh, handwritten lines and stuff crossed out and and have to try somehow to get that information to the to the crew so yeah there's not much time for uh drinking vitamin water <laughs> it's all just fascinating it's all fascinating uh rich yeah, my last question, just we haven't talked much about musical guests, which is such a big part of the show. And I think what we've noticed is I feel like in the last few years, the performances have really gone from a band just standing in front of the Grand Central set to much more elaborate and inventive yes, productions yes. for such a small space. I know that yes, that's yes. probably coming a lot yes. from the musicians, but was that an effort on your part or the show's part? And how does that affect what you have to do to actually shoot it? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the fact is, it's happened not because of me, but kind of in spite of me. Uh, my, <laughs> feeling, my feeling for years was that what, what made musical performances on Saturday Night Live special is that they were clearly in the Saturday Night Live space. And it was sort of like uh, un unplugged, not, not unplugged musically, but unplugged visually, that, that no matter what they are used to doing in a, in a big arena, or their music videos, we come in here and it's sort of the bare naked performance of that song in the Saturday Night Live look. And I love that. And, and I thought that you say, well, man, that really is a pretty song. I, I never noticed with all the, all, all the glitz around the way they do it on, uh, on a, in, in a stadium or in a music video. Uh, and I and I love that and, and was kind of disappointed that it, it had already started to get away uh from the show when i when, when i started um and I, I don't know how or i don't know who's responsible but but it, we clearly let it happen and as soon as it happened once the next person says well you let kanye west change the back wall and and you brought in a lighting designer for for for, for that group and and 
So it has really, really gone pretty far. Uh, and I guess you could say, well, keep it up with the times or, you know, that's what people are used to seeing now and let the performer do what he or she wants to, so that's in his look and feel and, and, and genre. And, and so we've definitely done that. And, and I, I, to me, we, we cannot recreate a music video. So it's going to either look like a, 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 a cheap version of a music vi video if you try to do it live. Uh, uh, and and you might as well run the music video and then come back and have them take bows on, on, on stage. So I, I've opposed it a little bit, but I haven't had much support for that opposition. And, and uh, we, we give in to to what they ask for. Now, what they ask for oftentimes makes it really uh, a, a major production. And, uh, you know, we, who was it? We, we spun the set around entirely a couple years ago. Who was that? Oh yeah. Well, every, um, it was a female artist where she was in the cube yes, and yeah. the camera. Uh, was well, I think you did, cube. you did something really cool with Halsey. I remember. Yes. Halsey. Uh, I think that's who it might've yeah. been. Yeah. No, I, it, it wasn't Halsey, but although we did some stuff with Halsey too. Uh, uh, I'll think of it. Uh, but this was a, a premiere uh, two, three years ago, and and I got word two weeks before we were start that that she wanted to do this Fred Astaire uh, uh, effect. Fred Astaire uh, walked on the walked on the walls and walked on the ceiling and walked on, in, in a movie, and, and it was it's a great special effect. Where he walks around a room, uh, and and uh, I said, well, that, "That's a that's a nightmare to 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 do properly." And and I wasn't even sure how how it was done. We 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 figured it out, or they figured it out, and it worked fine. Uh, it was kind of cool. But I said, "But the fact is, even if it works perfectly, people at home aren't going to say, man, that's a great song.' And she's a terrific singer. They're going to say, how did they do that? Man, she walked on the walls and she walked on the ceiling. I, I'm not sure this is what you want, but it 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 happened, and somebody somebody else is going to want to do that again probably this week." No, I think we're referring. Yeah, that was really uh, Billy English. I think is what we're Billy Eilish. Yes, that's, that's right. who it was. Good. Billy Eilish. Yeah, right. Right. Eilish. Billy Eilish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, there. Well, there you go. Uh, all this was really fascinating to hear from you, Don. I guess where I would like to kind of finish off the conversation is you've been at the show for about you know 15 years. We talked about how monumental this season is, given everything that's happening in the world and and your journey through the show. When you decide to move on from the show eventually, have you thought about you know what you want to be remembered for as you know one of the four directors ever in the history of the show? Is there you know something that you would like to convey? To the listeners about like, hey, this was the Don Roy King era, and ex you know have some words to explain why. I, uh, I, I take pride in one thing. Um, there is, for the first time in the history of Saturday Night Live, there's a, a pencil sharpener in the control room, <laughs> and the reason is uh, Beth. There's so many changes and there's so much, so much erasing, racing done. Beth would use a mechanical pencil and she would 
you can open it up and write, 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 and open it up again and write, write, write. And she had to change something. She dropped the pencil and pick up this great little sponge eraser and erase it. And and she said, this, this is the mo best, most important thing I can tell you. Get yourself a mechanical pencil and, and this kind of eraser. Well, I tried it and I just could not, could not get into the habit of, of, of picking it up and turning, putting it down and picking up the eraser and erasing it. And then I said, where did I put the pencil? And I had this eraser. And I, oh, man. So, so to me, it's just write, erase, write, stick my pencil in the pencil sharpener. And I'm so <laughs> proud. It's an electric pencil sharpener. It's an electric pencil sharpener. And it's, I, when I leave, I wanted to have my name on it. As you should, as you should. That's that's a great story. I think you're, you're going to inspire a lot of young directors to get their own pencil sharpeners now. Um, Don, thank my, you so much. My legacy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, really just it's such an honor to get to hear everything, uh, all the stories. I'm sure that you have a million more, and, and I really hope that we get to chat with you again in the future. Uh, my pleasure, John, anytime. And, and and Rich and James, you guys were fabulous and know more about the show than I do, but uh, I, I enjoyed rambling on. Thank you. My pleasure. And Don, if you don't mind, I'm just going to uh, close out the show with a couple plugs. Uh, so Rich, where can people reach out to you? Uh, Twitter at Rich Tack is the best way to say hello. Perfect. And we'll be seeing you on a roundtable coming up. Uh, James, thank you for joining us. Where can everybody reach out to you? Uh, I am on Facebook. I'm on Twitter as SNL James and Instagram, JP Stevens Jr. And if you would like to get more from SNL Stats, please subscribe to us on YouTube or on any podcatcher to never miss a show. We had some really fun shows in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we had a By the Numbers show, which I don't know if you know what that is, but basically we have developed a ranking system for appearances and screen time for some of the cast members. So we had some analytics experts come on in and tell us which of the cast members are doing great on the show this season, which was really fun wow. to go through. So that was that was really it's, great. It's fun. To, it's fun depending on whether you're a cast member and where you rank on that list exactly yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, so that, that was really fun. We also had a super fan takeover. We had some of our super fans talk about their favorite impressions from the history of the show. We will have some roundtables covering the next three episodes, uh, a little bonus coverage in there, as well as a live show right after the finale. We will be live on YouTube to break everything down. You can join us in the chat and talk about that. So, so much fun stuff coming up as we head towards the end of the season. So, Don, I wish you the best of luck to end season 46. I wish you good health with everything that is happening and hope you enjoy your summer ahead and we look forward to hopefully speaking to you sometime in the future so for everybody my name is john schneider from snl stats we'll see you next time but we're here for the numbers as well so let's get statistical so unpredictable here on snl stats